Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's good, Internet? Uh, welcome to the Syrupcast, otherwise known as the Mobile Syrup Podcast. This is the podcast where we normally talk about the week that was in Canadian tech. This week, however, we have a very special episode for you. First of all, we have not one, but two special guests. First, we have Josh, the pizza man McConnell. Josh, for whom, those uh, for those who don't know, is the tech editor at the National Post. Josh, it's our pleasure to welcome you back to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. How are you, sir? I am very well. I have a switch in hand, and I am mm-hmm. ready to stop listening and start playing. Did Great. The kick- <laughs> Did the kickstand break yet? No. Not yet. Is there a rash of that? I'm sorry, I didn't even wait for the introduction. Well, no, that's okay, because <laughs> that is the voice of one uh, Daryl Etherington, writer at TechCrunch, and joining us again after last week's glorious podcast about the Sate, as he says. <laughs> Um, Daryl, how are you? Great, very good. I got I got my switch here too. It's ready to go. Not with his switch because he missed the god memo. Is Patrick or Rook? How are you, sir? I'm good, Igor. I forgot it. I left it at home. I yeah, took my, I took my camera back today. Usually, I have it just in my backpack at all times, just in case I need to get some shrines done in Zelda. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I took it out today because I didn't have space. Excuses, all of them. I know. Uh. If you haven't guessed already, we're here to talk about the Switch in a special, I don't know, post-mortem, let's say? Kind of, yeah. Um, it's dead already. <laughs> it's... <laughs> was say, that was pretty quick. <laughs> All right. Works fine by me. See you next week, guys. See you the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, how about, I guess, what I wanted to start was with, uh, as I said in the podcast notes, I'd love to get, I don't have a Switch, so I'm going to depend on you, fine gentlemen, to tell me what's good about this console, why it's dead. Um, in some cases, uh, so uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So starting with, <laughs> since you seem to have so many thoughts, Daryl. Uh, what, well, I, I've just had I've had a few colleagues sort of uh, ping me in recent days and be like, "Are you still playing Zelda?" Because I have stopped entirely. Right, which mm-hmm. I think there there is a, a bit of that. I still think it's a great game. I still play it, I, but I play mm-hmm. it in a very casual way. I, a, unlike any other sort of gaming experience i've had i'm normally very like focused and mm-hmm. in fact my boss isn't listening to this uh not like there'll be days where i'm like oh i'm i have this day i'm doing i'm very busy and i'm actually just playing through <laughs> yeah. mass effect or whatever right? uh, yeah. because it's like i need to get i need to get it done i need to get it done and done mm-hmm. and dusted and and yet with zelda it's not that um it's like Oh, I want to do a shrine, or oh, I want to go do a tower, which is the things you you climb to to unlock the map, and and mm-hmm. I'll just pick it up, do one of those, put it down, and I feel no real urge to complete mm-hmm. the game, which is, yeah. mm-hmm. which is nice. It's not bad. It's nice. I think I'm kind of the the same way. Like Igor's always asking me, "Have you finished it yet?" Mm-hmm. And I've only done three or two. No, I've done three of the like divine beasts or whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, um, well that's pretty far. I haven't but, even touched those guys. But I've spent like a hundred hours in the game right mm-hmm. like i never focus on actually accomplishing the things that you need to do to push the game forward 
I end up spending all my time running around picking apples, chopping down trees, buying buying <laughs> real estate because it's the only place I'll ever be able to afford a house, um, and and then buying like cool little sword holders and stuff like that. But I, I never play the actual like full game. I have more fun just exploring. I think the people that are kind of burnt out, so to speak, are the ones that did marathon and try to get through the game yeah, I'd say very quickly. True, yeah. And then like, well, now what do I do? Now I'm just gonna go to the screwing around phase. But they mm-hmm. put so many hours into it. Whereas for me, yeah, I'm the same way. Or how many shrines have you, have you done? Any shrines or no? Oh, I've done lots of. Or not shrines. shrines uh, the sorry, the, the beast. The, no, the beast. I just I just uh, met the one. bird one, and I just look at it, and the whole town is like, "You should fix that bird." And I'm like, ah, <laughs> yeah. I got stuff to do. For me, I just like climbing as high as I can, choosing a point, and then just gliding down, and then usually you end up landing with a bunch of random enemies and you play or, or whatever but that i just do the whole exploring thing so i'm just taking my, my that's, sweet time that's like every divine beast every town is like you should fix that for us <laughs> yeah 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 they're so, all very needy about it yeah every single one of them every person you talk to is like yeah this is a problem you should solve it for us yeah, yeah. and then the child like every time there's a child in the and they just make fun of you i've yeah. <laughs> i have so many screenshots of children just making fun of me yeah and I don't know. I'm used to it in real life. I just was hoping <laughs> to escape that in the video game. But um. Um, So, yeah. I mean, software aside, though, what are your thoughts on the hardware itself? I mean, do you think this is, and we'll start with you, Josh. Um, is this a successful portable console? Um, and is it kind of unique enough within the lands- current landscape of uh, eighth generation consoles where like, it, this is going to be people's second console? I feel like it was pitched all along as this idea that you can play on your television set, Mm -hmm. undock it, take it and play it on the go. And I honestly, I feel like it's nailed that. Like, Mm -hmm. I really think it lives up to what they promised it to be. Mm -hmm. So I am super happy with it, but there's always just, you know, but when there's games coming, there's kind of always the the kind of... The ellipses at the end. end. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean... Hardware-wise, like I am super happy with. It. I love the feel of it. It's super handy. You can literally dock it and go because I travel a lot mm-hmm. or commute a lot, and it's just great. You can pick up and go, and it's finally that kind of hybrid console that um, other companies have tried to have solutions for, which but, we'll get to. Which we'll get to, but I yeah. feel like it's finally kind of nailed it. So, uh, for those who weren't watching in a display of excellent radio, Josh was gesturing to his switch, moving it yeah. around, showing. Flipping yeah. out the kickstand. Kick um, I'll do this, and I yeah. won't say what it is. Don't yeah. tell them. Nobody tell them. Just listen for the oh, yes. satisfying noise. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is actually my favorite part of the Switch. Apparently, that was like added in after, too. It doesn't actually make that noise. They put like a specific a mechanism to make the click noise, so it well, sounded satisfying. It's huh. a good hook. It's, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's all everyone talked about. Um, specifically related to the kind of the home console portion of it when you plug it in has that lived up to your expectations it's so i I actually had to modify my dock i didn't have to modify my dock i did modify my dock so that Mm -hmm. it wouldn't get the screen scratch issue which you may have seen people complain about on twitter Mm -hmm. um it was a simple fix but it's annoying when it's something you've already paid quite a bit of money for yeah uh and it's annoying that they didn't think about that there's a few things that are annoying where it seems like nintendo did some very basic things in terms of ux that they were not really cognizant of or didn't think of ahead of time that were silly like for the other instance, one being yeah oh you're you're gonna use this in a in a place where other bluetooth devices are like yes yeah yes, <laughs> <they> are. <laughs> yeah and not near near a fish tank right not well, uh, not near a fish tank no yeah. god forbid but it's yeah it's a weird thing like don't put those restrictions on the user think of those ahead of time and then and then engineer for that right mm-hmm. 
Um, but but yeah, and and the other thing is frame rate. Like there are frame rate drops, and it yeah. is annoying. Um, well, from what Zelda. I've seen, Zelda looks worse on the desktop mode or sorry, desktop mode. <laughs> this is not the state we're talking about. It looks worse in the home console mode, the dock the mode, dock. Yeah. than it does, just, and it performs worse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, actually, speaking of Bluetooth, the other just kind of hardware mention is the Wi-Fi. That whatever antenna they use is horrible. It's not great. It's not mm-hmm. a great one. You can you can have other devices right next to it and see it has fewer bars. It's not as wow. strong of a signal. So mm-hmm. they definitely didn't put the greatest Wi-Fi antenna in there. It still works, but that's yeah. maybe my only... I had two bars, and I was sitting on the couch directly in front of my router. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's where <laughs> that's, I use my most of the time, issue, right? and it never has full bars. Like, I, yeah. I can't even play... Um, like, the only other game that I have other than Zelda is Bomberman, Super Bomberman R, because uh, I like the Bomberman series. And if I try to play it online, I literally can't play it. It's unplayable because huh. the connection is so weak. Like For me to actually play that game online, I think I would need the, the dongle that lets you have uh, Ethernet. Ethernet. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tr- I haven't played anything online yet, so I, I, I can't speak for that. I'm just basing off I, updates. I have a feeling that most people... No, no one's buying Bomberman, right? People are buying this to play Zelda. I bought Bomberman. Oh, you actually <laughs> bought it? Awesome. I did. I really like the Bomberman series yeah. also. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you're the one other person. It's yeah. me and you. We're the only people who bought it. Have, yeah. you, have you guys played online together? No. no. This will, is a matchmaking yeah. moment, it guys. Will, it will work. Anyways, Anyways, yeah, yeah. Um, send your friend codes. But I, <laughs> I think that when Mario Kart comes out, people are going to realize that the Wi-Fi issue is a serious problem. Because is, that's going to be the first five game. gigahertz uh, modem. Uh, I don't know what the bands are. I, you think, know? I think it's it just, might just be two point four. I think it's just two point four, and that's why they have the interference. Well, there is some interference for sure. Yeah. The interference issues, yeah. But uh, Pat, we haven't heard your thoughts yet. Um, I hardware. really like it. I mean, I've talked about it before on the podcast. It's like a, a dream console for me. It's mm-hmm. the console i imagined in my mind and drew on a napkin when i was a little kid um this i love exact exactly not, how it looks obviously not yeah. but the, <laughs> you can but get some royalties yeah. off of this yeah. <laughs> the core utility of like being able to take a game boy or whatever on the go and then dropping it and into a dock and it plays on the television that's what i've always wanted because that yeah. fits with my lifestyle and i've always done a lot of traveling and i've always commuted a lot so that's great i can start playing a game in the morning or whatever take it with me play it at lunch at work or, and then go back home and play it again. And it's that same experience. It's seamless across the whole thing. And it works really good when you drop it on the dock. Like you can be in the middle of a game of Zelda, pop it off, you can keep playing. Nothing. There's no resetting. Yeah. There's nothing. I think that's that's amazing. They nailed that. Um, there's certain things that I've started to question with the build quality of the console. Like the, I'm going to grab yours. Yeah, so like the, the actual Joy-Cons on the side, on mine, they've started to flex in and huh. out more than when i first got it it's not a huge issue but my concern is that this like little plastic thing in here is going to continue getting looser and looser the more you pop them in and out yeah i Um, also had an issue where i this is part dumb but part design i put the the bumper thing on top on the wrong way and then i had to really really that's hammer it to get it off same thing happened to me Hmm. exact same thing um i mean it's stupid it's my fault that i did that but but we like, both did it. But someone could yeah. have blocked it. It's like We're the, both very stupid. As, yeah. Or it's like the <laughs> Note 5's pen, right? Like, you have to design for these things. Yeah, because yeah, it's ch- children that play them like, if, as yeah. well, right? If you're not thinking about it a lot, I I, I think it could happen, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty easy to decide it in the wrong way. So there's that. Um, I've noticed some, like, I have some friends who've had the actual finish on the back start scratching off already. Uh, on my Joy-Cons, like, the actual coating, the plastic coating yeah. is coming off. These are all, like, minor little things that happen. Do you have with, a case for yours? I have um, like a hard case, like the one okay. Daryl has over there. Um, but those are the only problems I've had. I haven't had the the screen scratching issue with putting it in the dock. Yeah. 
uh, maybe I do, and I just haven't noticed. I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna go home it and look at it. Yeah. So good, it's but... minor based on what people have seen, and and like all these issues. I want to stress though, despite all these issues that we're talking about, it's still. I use it all the time. I love it. Exactly. I, yeah. It, like the other things that don't have those issues, like the the Vita, which I also own, mm-hmm. I never use. Exactly. And, and it doesn't yeah. have any of those problems, but it's like it it misses on the core thing, exactly. which right. is what this gets. So right. the question I was going to get to, uh, as we talked in, where where do you think that this specific console succeeds where previous ones like the Vita did not? I think it just nails the going from portable to a home console yeah, thing yeah. better than anything that I've ever seen before. And that's why, despite the issues, despite the lack of games, I was like super hype on it and yeah. still am. It's very comfortable to use in both those scenarios. I think that um, I think that a lot of these things, though, and a lot of the virtues are around Zelda specifically because it's the only game that's available, basically. There's a bunch of other games available. It's the, it's the one that people play. It's, yeah. the, it's the top tier one. And... A lot of it seems like that is the perfect game designed to show off all that stuff too. Like mm-hmm. the UI on Zelda scales perfectly between TV and this. Like it's very usable in both places. Like that's a big mm-hmm. issue with Vita when you're doing remote play. A lot of the times the the UI it's like is impossible to read. Yeah, you can't read. It's too tiny. The fonts are ridiculous. Or the controls are mapped to the touch panel on the back, and they're really hard to use. Yeah, don't make sense. Yeah. So I think that the, I think that this is actually an, an example where. Zelda was like the perfect thing. It was basically designed to launch this console. Mm-hmm. And they all work so wonderfully together that it's still going to be... There's a big question mark about whether other games can match that kind of effect, yeah. even first-party ones. Mm-hmm. And just convenience, too, because I think back to the Vita, uh, which has the remote play. But then even it was, what, the GameCube and the Game Boy Advance where they had like a cable you could t- plug it into and... And do features where you can play. I was like connecting it. it. Yeah, and it would replicate. There's like Zelda Four Swords on the GameCube where you could. Yeah. I think it was the Game Boy Advance SP or I guess regular Advance. You could plug it in and like have some kind of interaction between the two. It was was actually pretty good. I remember enjoying that, but and it's just always do that much of it. Right, and I remember playing a few times stuff, and there was ones that it would just try to. There was like I think there was a software for the. The wide Game Boy Advance, where you could replicate what was on the screen on. There was um, there's a thing that you and you plugged under your GameCube. It was like an actual separate yes, box that you could was. buy, and then you could put put Game Boy Advance that cartridges. Well, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like we've had experimentation with that, but again, it's not like this where it's literally the exact same experience. And I think that's just the differentiator here, where mm-hmm. finally you can pick it up and go, pick up exactly where you left off. The controls are the same. The scaling so far has been the same. So I think it's just that's what nails it because, mm-hmm. like, Patrick, like that's just my kind of lifestyle, and that's what I was looking for because there's games that I would love to play more on for Xbox or PlayStation. I just don't have time to sit at home and play it. So yeah. here, if I have a few minutes, I can, and generally I play portable on the go. Mm-hmm. But What do you think there's, like, is there one major thing uh, that it needs to improve on? Games. Yeah, <laughs> and software is the big thing. It software in general too. Like it's it's absurd that you can't boot Netflix up on this thing at mm-hmm. launch and and have that ready to go or any other kind of video content. That's mm-hmm. crazy. I, it's a perfect design. That, that's that. that's how I feel too. I still think that it would be like I I know that it's never going to replace like an iPad or a regular tablet, but I would love to be able to use very specific apps on it, like yeah. Netflix or like even checking my email or something very very basic like that if that's the only device that i have on me 
Right. Um, but I, realistically, though, is it going to be the only device you have on you? Like, you're going to yeah, have your phone. Right. No, yeah. but I, I would, so maybe not email, but like Netflix. I yeah, wish yeah. I could use Netflix on it. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to be the, the yeah. one, like, if I'm doing air travel, like, I just want to put one thing in the pocket yeah. in front of me and yeah. have that, like, do me for the whole trip. And I want it to be this thing. But mm-hmm. it, without any kind of video playback, it's not going to be that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, ha- you know, having lived with this uh, console now for, what is it, four weeks? I think it's about four weeks. Um, seeing its best sides, seeing its worst sides, what do you think is the future of this? Like, is it going to find success? I think so. I think the problem with the Wii U before was they showed all their cards all at once. So it was, you know, we released, maybe the sales wasn't as high, I don't know. They said, here's all the games that are coming out for the next two years, and mm-hmm. they're not starting for another six or seven months. So people didn't buy them because they knew the good games were coming later um, and therefore didn't get the third-party support because the sales weren't there. It was like a chicken mm-hmm. and an egg thing. And I think this time around, they're holding their cards a little bit closer. We know some long-term games that are coming out, but they're not showing you know, super far in the future. Yeah. Well, but I wonder I, about that. I wonder if that's a strategy or if that's a pipeline issue. Like, I, I would imagine it, it might be hard to attract developers to this with only the, the recency, like the, mo- the closest example you can point to is like, look at what we did with the Wii U. And people are like, yeah, that sucked for us. That was a bad experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're going to wait. Like, I, I feel like... Right, which is true. Yeah, I don't think... I don't think... I think they would crow about the pipeline if it was deeper than it I think, yeah, I think that's part of why they're ramping up uh, sort of the indie game presence on, on the console. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They did like that Nintendo's Ninties or whatever it was yeah. uh, to tie a sort of live stream thing um, to show off all the indie games that are coming. And there's so many. Yeah. I think they're trying to build up the platform's install base with that, hoping that more developers that are not Nintendo will... So we'll start to and jump I was going to say platform. that's kind of almost the one advantage of not having many major games right now, or that the indie games get to shine. And oh, you I think- get to- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Trust. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. And if I, it became like the go-to indie platform, yeah. that would be so good. I yeah. think they have a market opportunity with like, like I talked to a guy on a plane who had an NVIDIA Shield tablet, which was amazing yeah. to see in the wild. Really? It's, it's a person, I've, a random never guy. Seen one. <laughs> he was an electrician from Hamilton and he had an NVIDIA Shield awesome. tablet with wow. a controller. And huh. I was like, wow, this is great. But yeah. we had a good conversation about this because this has, has like a, an NVIDIA processor and it is kind of a spiritual successor to the, to the um, Shield. Yeah. Shield. So, it's it's like they have that opportunity to grab those people. That's a relatively mm-hmm. small market, but they can aggregate that with like the Wii customers, and they can also aggregate that with the DS customers and the 3DS customers, which mm-hmm. I think also will funnel into this. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a significant opportunity, right? But they have to prove that out, and and then they'll get the developers to follow. Um. So you know, Dara, as someone who writes a lot about startups, what's interesting to me about Nintendo's current strategy is that they're kind of sticking with the 3DS for the foreseeable future, and not you know like not doing the classic startup thing, which is like we're one product, right? right. We are the product. Um, do you think that's a mistake on that part? That's going to uh, kind of kick them in 
the butt later down the road? I don't think so. I don't think they're losing anything at the moment by keeping mm-hmm. that that product line alive. Like it's a very reliable base for them to mm-hmm. to let sit there and let sort of accumulate. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're coming off of like they had their highest sales ever, I think, of the console around the Pokemon, the most recent yeah. Pokemon launch. So it's still really really strong performer for them and has a great mm-hmm. install base there's but no reason to abandon this game's that. coming out too for it i can't yeah. think of any and that publisher yeah. price line that's like that's set up they, they don't yeah. have to do anything additional to, to continue to enjoy that right mm-hmm. they, they can sort of focus on that and let their reliable work cars keep going mm-hmm. uh-huh. if anything though to play off that i feel like it makes sense for them to keep it going because they're due for a new handheld console to be announced, but I feel like this is going to be the new handheld. Like they're just so instead of having to develop one Mar- or two different Mario Karts, they're only going to make one game now for the Switch, and I think mm-hmm. that's what they're playing around with. So they're letting the 3DS kind of still exist. It has a big following, big base. They can still sell games for it. Mm-hmm. Then that way, all the development resources can go to making games for this, and hoping that it will then kind of shift into that's maybe true. the next 3DS. Mm-hmm. Um, because all they've been doing really is just repackaging the 3DS in different shapes and forms. So they're due for a new handheld, mm-hmm. and I think this is then, it. Then there's all the mobile stuff too, right? So right. in some ways, that's a third platform yeah. for, for Nintendo. Um, I don't know if they see like mobile as. I don't think it's really the successor to the 3DS, but it's definitely like a new focus yeah. for them. Mm-hmm. So that combined with the Switch, and they might just decide we don't need a, a new handheld right now. No, that that makes a lot of sense. Across all three of those, you can see where they'd be making a lot more... Uh, I mean, they'd be boosting their efficiencies tons and getting way more return on their investment for like half the development effort. Or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a great plan if it works. Yeah. Do you, I mean, uh, do you guys see third-party developers hopping on this console? Like, what is it about the Switch... That's going to be different than the Wii U or the Vita because third-party yeah. developers uh-huh. are great yeah. about that too. I um, mean, I, I think the messaging behind the Switch makes sense um, from developers that I've talked to. They're they're kind of they're they're excited about it. They they get it. They sort of understand what Nintendo is trying to accomplish with with it. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Wii U, for both consumers and developers, they didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't make sense to them. Mm-hmm. Is this is this uh, the Wii with a tablet? Is this a t- whole new console? Are you trying to? still appeal to every single person like parents and, and little kids or are you going after the hardcore demographic because when they announced it i still remember the the press conference watching it at, um watching it at home and it, it seemed like they're trying to go after everybody all at the same time um, which is what they're doing with the switch i think too but to a greater level of success because i think it fits with a lot of people's lifestyles in a different way that the the wii u didn't yeah i think this is a, a less complicated um, endpoint to target to from a development perspective. Like, oh yeah, for year. sure. Yeah. You don't have to reconceptualize as much with this as you do with that. Mm-hmm. You have to think about UI elements like we were talking about earlier, but you don't have to think like, well, it has the screen thing. Should we use this screen thing? Because mm-hmm. that's kind of the appeal of the whole. Like, it's yeah, very weird, thorny. I, I don't. I don't think any developers ever f- really figured out how to use the Wii U second screen no. to a way that made yeah. sense. There's always this disconnect between like, "Hey, I'm playing the game, watching it on the TV," and then you got to look down and you'd miss something in that split yeah. second, yeah. looking yeah. up and down. Like, what was the one game that was pretty good? Uh, Zombie U on oh, on yeah. the Wii U was yeah. actually pretty good. It, it did a good job. And there's a few like proprietary first party nintendo games but other than that i i can't even think of any wii u game that actually made use of the gamepad in a way that was cool and, yeah. and made sense to me here you're back to literally one screen yeah and it yeah. just it's right in their wheelhouse so that's to it the messaging is much simpler and yeah so okay hypothetical situation uh josh you uh when you were at gdc you got to see the new shadow of mordor game 
that's a third-party game, right? That would be amazing to play on the Switch. But is that are games like that? Does the Switch have the hardware to support the scalability, uh, or support a developer scaling a game like that from the Wii or the Switch to the Xbox, right? Like, yeah. and is like, is that even a tenable situation, right, for Nintendo and for everyone involved? That always seems to be kind of Nintendo's. Just they're just a little bit behind in power. And yeah, I think that's always a big problem with getting third-party support because it's just that much more work to port something over. Mm-hmm. So it's either you have to make a brand new game or you have to, well, almost make a brand new game just downscaling the thing. So you wouldn't, mm-hmm. I don't know how you would realistically see anything like that I mean, sent to the Switch. Shadow Mortar is a great example because when it got ported, ported to the Xbox 360 and PS3 from the uh, new generation consoles, it had like... The best feature was missing. The nemesis. Yeah. It's like the game shouldn't like, even... It was so stupid. That's true, yeah. Right? So, like, imagine that situation on the Switch. That would be, like... Would you, as a consumer, like, well, I got portability, but, like, half the game's missing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, the w- I, for big games like that, you're going to struggle. But I look mm-hmm. at, you know, things like Ukulele that's coming out. Or mm-hmm. um, we saw Toe Jam and Earl 3 uh, is coming. So and it's coming to all platforms, but yeah. it's coming to the Switch as well. And I'm going to get it for the Switch. Yeah. For sure. Like, there's not even a question. And I feel like games like that where it's not quite as intense, it's not as graphic heavy, um, You, it's easier for developers to bring it to the Switch. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the sweet spot Nintendo has to kind of play to. Mm-hmm. So they're, the ones that are, you know... It might be more of an indie developer, but they have a major publisher behind them, so it's going to all platforms. And I think they have a little bit more um, ability to kind of tweak it for the Switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some much-loved classics that still have legs, like um, what's the one that's coming to this one? The uh, the big open-world RPG. Uh, Skyrim. Oh, Skyrim. Skyrim. It's not yeah. actually... I, I looked into this. It's not actually coming to the uh, Switch. It's, uh, it's like a proof of concept of, oh. uh, of a third-party game running on the switch oh. uh and so that was like misleading well Did, that's really misleading. was, that, was I, that a recent thing that you read uh yeah recently really? wow okay yeah. really yeah um huh I so so no i totally thought yeah. I, yeah. I didn't want to play skyrim on the switch anyway yeah. <laughs> there you go because you got zelda huh. yeah um so um Daryl, I mean, in terms of the price, you know, like what is what strikes me, another thing that strikes me as untenable about the Switch is that in Canada specifically, but, you know, it's $400, just as much or more than the Xbox One and the PS4. And then you got to imagine the titles are going to cost just as much, right? Like how much does Zelda cost? $79? Yeah, it's $79, $79. So like from a third party perspective, how to, or as a consumer, like, if you you're paying the same for a switch game it could have worse graph potentially a lot worse graphics yeah. like how do you like do you foresee like how soon is the price going to drop uh i don't know about price drops but i yeah. also don't think it ranks up i don't think that's the decision like i, mm-hmm. I and i don't think it ever will be like i don't think mm-hmm. any gamer is going to be like i want to get one of these three which one do i make like that mm-hmm. those days are gone it's it's they're going to make a decision between xbox one and playstation 4 Mm-hmm. And then Switch will be like, and this or this, right? Like mm-hmm. Switch is not or this, but Switch is like separate. It's a separate decision tree. It's a separate need. It's a separate uh, market that it's addressing. There's a lot mm-hmm. of games that I think I would get on the Switch over 
the Xbox. Like the games you're talking about, like ukulele, I'm interested in that. I would get it yeah. on the Switch because I want to be able to play it wherever I want to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the same with like, I, I remember I told you I stopped playing Stardew Valley, mm-hmm. but I want to start playing it again. But I'm waiting for it to come on the Switch because it's going to fit better within how I play games today. I think mm-hmm. that's the most interesting. So if, it, if this becomes like the indie console of choice, like I'm very cool. curious to see how that works out for its market share. Because like I, I play a lot of video games. I try to play a lot of video games. I don't have time. I typically stick to big studio games because I'm like, I have a little bit of time to devote to video games. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play these series that I love from these developers that I love and know and trust. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be an engrossing 40, 50 hour experience and whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't play indie games. I'm not going to do it on this console either. Mm-hmm. It, like, is that a significant chunk of so, the buyer? That's interesting. That's interesting because, you know, the PS Vita effectively at the end of the, it's like, we'll call it now the end of its life cycle. It's primarily two uses. A bunch you're, of people are commenting right now saying the Vita's not dead. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's still <laughs> alive. Yeah. Uh, you're either playing like, Sony doesn't even support it. So you're either playing like JRPGs or you're playing indie games. Um, or old PS Plus titles. Or Yeah. I do yeah. that all the time. Or PS1 games. Yeah. PS1 yeah. games, right? Um, I mean, it's been able to carve a niche for itself, but I wouldn't, I don't think anyone's going to say it's been successful, right? Mm hmm. I think it like play off the whole idea too, like with Daryl saying, and I think it comes back to this is kind of more like a 3DS now, where you have your big consoles for the mm-hmm. big games, and this is the plus one, you mm-hmm. know. So it's not um, it's not a zero sum game anymore. So you, mm-hmm. you it will be like you have your Switch with your Xbox or your PlayStation, just like you had a 3DS before. Mm-hmm. And I think that's more the round, the, or its wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, but. I- yeah, but like for people with limited resources, I guess that's the question, right? But it yeah. is like, it it is it's a different device. Like this for me is a travel companion, and it's mm-hmm. and it's it's mm-hmm. that it's for the commute, it's for on the go, and that's a very that's like coming out of a different part of my budget than than like a home so, console. Would interesting. So speaking of that, like in that context, how does this this console fit into a world where we have iPads and whatever other tablets? <laughs> Sorry iPads but you know like <laughs> yeah you know like tablet sales are going down yeah um and so i guess like does that take from that budget do you even allocate any does any average person even allocate money to tablets anymore right mm-hmm. like um i guess it comes back to the app question again if you started getting more of those apps mm-hmm. then it could definitely be the replacement for the tablet if mm-hmm. you have a tablet yeah yeah um, yeah cuz if you look at usage stats like a lot of consumers and users of tablets use them primarily for media viewing like mm-hmm. passive yeah i want to watch a video my 400 hundred dollar netflix yeah. box yeah. Basically. <laughs> my yeah. ipads are now all five tv receivers <laughs> i just carry them around my house and go like tv here now yeah <laughs> and if this could do that like there's no real reason that you would go f- for the other because this mm-hmm. does something unique that the, the ipad does yeah. not do right well that's that's what i argued and the internet attacked me was that it has the the potential <laughs> to be like the internet does yeah the, like a really dope all-in-one device that can do everything that you need but nintendo only wants it to focus on gaming but yeah they're mm-hmm. like hinting that maybe eventually we'll put netflix on it or but something. like everything mm-hmm. that you need is just netflix and that that's the thing yeah. right like yeah. the do everything aspect of those tablet devices is largely an invention of marketing that's, yes people don't want mm. that people just want a video consumption device and yeah. then also maybe they can play some games once in a while read their mm-hmm. kindle books a little bit yeah, yeah yeah read too that'd be great uh, so usually we end a podcast by sending shoutouts, but I think in this uh, circumstance, it's best to give a shout out to Zelda and I guess your favorite moment from the game or shrine oh, or that's whatever. A, that's a great idea. I was yeah. scared because I, I didn't have one prepared, but, but 
Do you want to? Let, let me let me let me think about it. Um, <laughs> Do you have one? Prepared? I put when you put the balloon animal yeah. things, and I realized that I could put the balloon things on stuff just by holding it. What are they called? The octo 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 rocks? Not octo rocks. Rock. Is this like um uh, the in Metal Gear Solid where you can you put the balloon yeah, on kind of like on that. everything <laughs> yeah. right like and they lift they just float up in the air yeah because there's great. videos of people like making the boat float up in the air yeah. with them on it and stuff like that yeah, yeah. there I, was a side mission that guided you to that and that was where I was like oh well yeah. there's a side mission that tells you how to do it there's just a like someone says like oh I want this box or this chair oh, to cool. float and and can you make it float for me you know what works is these buttons. oh i know what you're talking about i never knew oh, i'm gonna go home and do that now. <laughs> well you could have now oh, if you yeah. brought your switch that's true i'll just like boot it up do the side mission while <laughs> yeah. the podcast is ending um i i guess i have mine my favorite one was i, I what i like to do in zelda is, is just explore and it's one of the first games where it feels like you're actually to me anyways going on an adventure with with no clear purpose but you're just exploring and looking for things. And so in one instance, I like stocked up on a bunch of meals and I was just running around exploring. And I came to sort of this big cliff and I jumped off the cliff and glided to this island, landed on the island, saw a boat, found a leaf beside the boat, picked up the leaf, learned that I could use the leaf to move the boat. And I just started going out into the ocean. Then in the distance, I saw this island. And I was like, hey, what is this island? Let me go towards it. And it turned out it was this specific island in the game called uh, Eventide Island, uh, where it's... Uh, it's a shrine challenge, but it's a more complicated uh, one, I guess. And they took they take all of your items. Everything goes away from, from you, and you're, you start from scratch. And it's kind of like the Zelda version of Naked and Afraid, <laughs> the horrible TV show. Um, and you start on the, the island, and you have to sort of... Everything's from scratch. You have to kill enemies. You have to find a bow. You have to do all of this within the confines of this tiny like little space. And I thought... I thought that was really cool, and it surprised me because I'd never read about it before. I never heard anyone talk about it. Um, this was like a week after the game had come out to the, to the public too, um, and it, it was just cool because it felt like this moment that that I discovered, and I rarely get that from games anymore. Yeah, Josh, for me, I mean, I kind of touched on it already, but I just love the exploring elements. So mm -hmm. I, there's just so many different scenarios where I went literally as high as I could, and then I just chose a random spot. You just glide down and just see what's there. Because mm -hmm. there's still, even though you can kind of get an idea, you can put a marker down, you know roughly what's going to be there, but you don't know what enemies are there because those get generated as you're gliding in. So there's just so many cool moments where just you come across a new enemy or a new item or a new, like you just have no idea. And I just love that. So I know it's not a specific thing, but I just love this sure, idea yeah. of like you just don't know what you're going to get. Mm -hmm. You're going in a general area, and then when you hit the ground, you just kind of like, okay, let's go explore some more. And and what we didn't actually touch upon, I love the fact that the whole idea of game saves are like gone because you can just yeah. suspend it and then pick up where you left off. Like that's it's cool not too. like oh we have to wait for the next checkpoint. Like no, you can stop it anywhere. So I like to climb up to like the tallest part. That's yeah. where I hit save. That or not save. That's when I put it to sleep, go to bed, and then the next day I'm like, it's a new adventure. Where am I going to land today? Yeah, and that's what I really like about it. Yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm. but. All right, so uh, thank you all for joining us on the pod this week, uh, and to our wonderful listeners, always remember check us out on your social media. Oh, but before I do that, where can we find you two on the internet? The band. <sighs> Yeah, the what? Yes, pre-installed on your iPhone. Yeah. Uh, I'm just Josh McConnell on Twitter, so that's two C's, two N's, two L's. If you want great pizza tapes, there's mainly gifts and pizza. Mm -hmm. And I'm at Etherington on Twitter. That's just my last name. Easy to get as well. Very nice. 
Uh, so once again, thank you guys for listening or watching if you did. Uh, if you want to follow Mobile Syrup, please do. We are at Mobile Syrup, basically on every social media uh, network of your choice. Um, and if you're listening to this on iTunes, make sure not only to give us a like, but drop a review because that really helps. And one yeah. of these days, I'm going to read reviews on the yeah. podcast. Smash that like button. <laughs> you can respond to them now, or maybe only after all. No, I think you can. Okay. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.